Welcome to the Women Leadership Nation's Breaking Barriers podcast. This podcast is dedicated to telling the stories of so many inspiring women from all over the world and across so many different professions. When we're able to share our experiences, we're able to grow, we're able to learn from one another, and we're able to support each other. Your support in helping us share the life stories of so many inspiring women means so much to us. So if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. And now for our next episode. for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Jennifer. You know, I have to say my heart goes out to you and, and all of Ukraine. I actually don't follow Twitter that often. And it was because of what happened in Ukraine that I started following you and seeing your posts every morning. Good morning from Ukraine. I'd love to learn a little bit more about, you know, you and be a little bit about the beginning of your journey. And so that we can kind of get an understanding of, you know, there's real people in Ukraine and I want everybody to connect yeah, so uh, let me tell you a bit of my own history. So I've been born uh, in Ukraine. Well, I've been bor- born in actually in Soviet Union. So it, it hasn't been a Ukrainian independent state at the time. It was the year when Chernobyl happened. So I'm always boasting around that I was born prior to, to Chernobyl. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, a sad event that... Uh, most of the people knew Ukraine for. And uh, after the Soviet uh, Union uh, stopped existing, uh, basically I was actually too young to understand those historical events. Uh, But this was really a mess in the country from what I know. The 90s uh, were not an easy time for our parents. Uh, this is when our state start, started to be independent, a sovereign country, uh, but it still lived with the history of the Soviet Union, communism, etc. And uh, many of the people kind of inherited the Soviet Union history. And probably this is uh, not the last factor why we have uh, the situation as it is right now. I even used to speak Russian for a while in the school, mm-hmm. but then I switched uh, fully to Ukrainian. I rarely speak Russian right now. I do understand the language and yeah, uh, I can speak Russian and I can speak, I sometimes speak the uh, language to, to my father, for instance, he's from a different region of Ukraine. Since many years, I don't know, I'm, I'm speaking Ukrainian. And um, when I grew up, uh, in the beginning of the 21st century, 2004, uh, there was an orange revolution, we call an orange revolution in Ukraine. And I was a student at the time and I participated in that revolution in Kiev. So that was the first attempt that I remember personally to establish democratic values in Ukraine. There was a president elections and we did want to have a pro-Ukrainian democratic leader at the time, and therefore the revolution happened. He was elected, and he tried to establish a pro-Ukrainian force, and that was difficult. That was difficult times with not that much media support because we didn't have the technology, of course. After that, in 2013 and 14, I remember this quite clearly. 
what we uh, call a revolution of dignity or um, European Union revolution happened in Ukraine. That uh, I also participated in that revolution, but it was a very, uh, I would say, unsettling one, a wild one. Over 100 people were killed in the course of the revolution during that winter of uh, 2013 and 14. That president was impeached and uh, another one was elected with pro-Ukrainian, finally pro-Ukrainian position, pro-Ukrainian views and democratic values. So we established our course to the European Union integration because we share the Western values. And I remember those uh, things quite clearly uh, because I myself participated. I was in Kiev at the time. Therefore, uh, this new history of Ukraine is uh, very close to myself. Plus, I myself is from western region of Ukraine, only 60 kilometers from the Polish border. So we visited Europe many, many times. Also, the States, of course, have been to Australia, also China. So I'm kind of well-traveled person. So I see how people live and we share their values. So we wanted to move to that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, I'm working in uh, information technology business. I'm currently in a position of the delivery manager. I've been in quality assurance for 10 plus years, I think. And yeah, so my career is fully intact and I know the technology. I know uh, something uh, that is on the edge of where we're moving to, right? So I don't want to stuck in the past. I want my kid to move forward. I want the nation to move forward. So this is how I got interest in, in all of the political situation that happens in Ukraine. And, and historically, the Western part of Ukraine, where I'm from, is uh, very politically active. This is due to historical reasons, because the Soviet Union wasn't uh, leading, leading this part of the country for some period of time. So we were closer to Poland, to Austria, historically. And um, this is the region where these uh, patriotic views, I would say, sometimes they call us nationalists, but in the sense that we are patriotic. And therefore this Nazi discourse appeared in Russia right now. So everyone who, who is pro-Ukrainian, who wants uh, to live uh, with Western values in a democratic uh, state, who wants uh, to live in a sovereign country, speak, uh, speak Ukrainian, even digested content in Ukrainian, those are considered Nazis, right, these days. And this is awkward. I would say it's awkward. Yeah. I yeah, think so... I, would you say that, um, you know, having watched... So I watched uh, Winter on Fire. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, and I think yeah. that, was, that really provided... And I think anybody that hasn't seen it definitely Winter should fire. see it. Because... As it's about Maidan, yes. Maidan, this is... Uh, so that you know, Maidan is just a, a normal word for square, and it's a central place where people get together to make decisions. And historically, people gathered on Maidan, therefore, we call it like Maidan Revolution because of the place. But uh, it's it, Maidan is something that every city in Ukraine has. It's a square, central square, basically. It's beautiful. And would you say that, you know, um, because we see today Ukrainians are 
fearless in many ways and just you know and I can see the the passion because you see what's possible and you want that freedom and you're you know you you have a beautiful life your your country is gorgeous and so you know do you believe that some of what's happened in the past has helped to prepare you for you know but this is on obviously a much greater scale maybe we can maybe uh you know it'd be great to to kind of understand from your perspective how sort of what was your experience um, when you first found out what was happening uh, to this extent in, in Ukraine and sort of, you know, from, from a perspective of being, you know, you're a daughter, you're a mother, um, mm -hmm. you're a wife, you know, there's so many different, and yet you're, and you're also so patriotic and, and obviously capable of, of fighting and you're doing so much. I just, I just like to kind of understand that what you've been mm -hmm. going through. You see, when I was in school, we were taught that uh, Russia, Belarus, and Ukraine uh, is the brotherhood of three countries. And we also had some trade laws between the countries, etc. So since we shared the uh, history of Soviet Union, and this was the legacy from those times. And I was always taught that they are our brothers, and many, many Ukrainians have relatives in Russia. I myself used to have relatives in Russia prior to 2014. We stopped uh, communicating because of those political issues. Those are distant family, let's say. And lots of Russians have families in uh, Ukraine. And even right now, we hear the news that the pilot that bombed Mariupol, for instance, his father is from Odessa. That's his Ukrainian city. So... And, and there was even a pilot who bombed Kharkiv, and Kharkiv is Ukrainian city where his mother lives right now. Wow. So, you, you, so you could imagine how tight the connections are and how, uh, how it all changed in the past couple of months. So uh, for me, I, I was told that, well, well, since we've got relatives on the personal level, and many people have got relatives uh, in Russia or Belarus, for instance, we never thought that there will be such a gap between us. Mm -hmm. And lots of people in Eastern Ukraine, they even speak Russian uh, in their daily lives. They consume the content in Russian. They watch sometimes even watch Russian television. Mm -hmm. So they would never expect this situation to happen. Therefore, when there were rumors about the war, the full-scale war uh, happening, because the actual war has started in 20, back in 2014, but I will talk about it a bit later. Nobody, uh, I, I myself didn't believe that it would happen. Just because, in fact, well, the, the western part of Ukraine is one thing, but eastern part of Ukraine at the border with Russia, they're much, much closer. No, no one would ever expect them bombing the cities with their relatives, yeah. uh, with people who who are speaking the same language with them, it's like their own close ties. Yeah, right. So, but then uh, all of a sudden, uh, we realized that they are attacking us, and people in the eastern region realized themselves as Ukrainians, and this came as a big surprise for me. So I, I knew that they were Ukrainians by nationality. They uh, carried Ukrainian passports, even though they were speaking Russian in, in, during their, in, their, in their daily life. But basically, 
the resistance they have shown against uh, Russia, that was tremendous because those first, I don't know, three to five days were crucial in this fight because we didn't have enough weapons, enough support, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We were not that organized as we are right now. The uh, volunteers didn't organize that during those first couple of days. And so the resistance at that time was crucial. And therefore, we are standing right now because, because those people realize that they are living in a sovereign country. They want these values to be shared with, with the West rather than with, with, with Russia. And this is for a very simple reason, because they want to live better, right? Mm-hmm. So we see on the news how the villages in Russia doesn't have roads or even electricity or, I don't know, sanitary facilities even. And mm-hmm. in, in Ukraine, we are, we're different. We do not have like three meter fences uh, we live openly and, and we want this to continue. We, we go to Europe, to uh, other countries a lot, we travel a lot. Yeah, I think for us that, because it's an important point that, uh, that you're making right now is that I, I think for us, we didn't even know Russia's, like in Russia, people live like that because they don't show it, right? Yeah. And so, and we've, I've, I personally have never been, but you know, so you don't expect that when, when you hear the translations, even of some of the communications going back and forth that people are saying, oh, they have toilets inside and they have a washing machine, it, right. it blows your mind. And so you kind of start to see that you start to start to understand the mentality then. Right, as well. right. Because what they are only showing is Moscow and St. Petersburg, maybe a couple yeah. of other biggest cities. I personally have been to Moscow and St. Petersburg, uh, I don't know, back 15, 20 years ago, but those are bigger cities, those are capital, and naturally they live a better life than their villages, but that's 140 million people in, in Russia, and, and, and most of them live uh, on the verge of the poverty, and therefore, uh, when they come here and see that we simply live better, uh, and, and it is because we wish to do so, we we want to have a higher living standard basically like every human being wants to live with a respect with dignity right so and this is what we're fighting for not only our land but also our dignity and our values this is really important to understand and now we have a lot of uh political unrest inside the country we have uh, different views across the country. Uh, we're always fighting around, I don't know, different parties, the language issue, things like that. But what I like about the current situation, even, even though it is really sad and even, I would say, horrifying, because you have seen the news, is that the whole nation is united around the ideas that we are Ukrainian, even though we might have different political views, even though we might speak uh, different languages. But we are one nation. We live in the sovereign country and we want to protect it. We want to protect our land uh, and yeah, ourselves, right? So this is our home. We are protecting our home. Yeah. Like, for instance, 
um, Emmy, my daughter, when she asks, she keeps asking when uh, when the war is going to end. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm trying to tell you that it's not that easy. And the first thing I had to explain her what a war is and what we're fighting for. So I have uh, shown her her room and told her, this is your room. Imagine some other kid comes over and tells you it's his room or her room from now on. Would you like that? And she said, no, got toys there and uh, my, all of my um, clothes and things like that. So I wouldn't like that. And I told her, they're doing the same thing. They, they came to our land and they're saying it's ours for some reason. And we've got uh, our homes, our uh, families, our pets, our clothes also. So I'm trying to explain that in terms that she understands. And therefore, you wouldn't be happy about that. You would want your parents to protect you. And this is actually what our soldiers are doing. They are protecting our home. Basically the same thing. Uh, Yeah, and... uh, I'm having an easy time to explain you uh, explain her uh, when the war ends because she's got she's got lots of plans basically. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're always optimistic, right? And as yeah. a mother, I'm sure it's like it's such a difficult subject. You want to give her a sense of reality and understanding, but you also want to. Do you feel you, the need to shelter her a little bit as well? Right. It's a balance, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like she's playing Minecraft and uh, she wants to buy something. And I'm telling her, okay, honey, uh, today we're buying helmets for soldiers. Mm -hmm. But when the war ends, they will come back and we will celebrate by buying some stuff in the Minecraft. So uh, this is how she understands also this volunteer job that I'm doing because she's uh, always seeing like I'm accepting these suitcases, the deliveries, and then I'm sending things packing things right and she's she's in the context uh, of what's going on plus her father has been summoned to the army and uh, so we have to explain to her that uh is the one to protect us as a family right and she's been asking him like dad are you why do you have to be a soldier you will you um, my husband is an it professional mm-hmm. so uh, he's been trained uh, a bit when he was younger during university times that's why he was summoned because he was not um, you know a newbie uh, mm-hmm. basically but then then you have this training period of course they're not sent to the front line from the day one Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to explain her in the course of the time that uh, dad protects our home, her room from, mm-hmm. from other people, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so because it's really hard for her to associate him. He was working uh, at the computer and suddenly he wears a uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To make that connection. And does she make, right. do, you, do you limit or is she... Is she able to make a connection or is she, does she, is she fearful of, or his safety or? No, uh, we're telling her that uh, they, that is okay. He's just protecting us. He, he's safe and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not telling her any news, any uh, sad news about 
our I didn't like this word casualties, but that's how you have to say it. Yeah. Uh, right. So we're not showing her pictures, anything like that. Mm-hmm. I sometimes show her the map of Ukraine and mm-hmm. tell her we're here. So we're safe. There, mm-hmm. there is no immediate war here. Mm-hmm. And uh, the war is here. They are fighting. So you see, this is how big Ukraine is. And that's only a smaller piece. And that's how she can understand that she is in a relative safety. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky not to hear lots of bombings here uh, at the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but last time they were bombing uh, near our apartment, it was really audible. Uh, for for me personally, she was sleeping at the time, so oh. uh, I didn't have to explain it to her. But whenever there is an alarm, uh, this siren, mm-hmm. she she's instructed to act immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're staying in a couple of places, rarely on the streets. We are trying to to keep closer to buildings that we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, uh, currently I'm in the office building of my company. And they have uh, the best bomb shelter that I know. It's a great facility with independent airflow, water, uh, heating, and yeah, things like that. Okay. It's really, it's really safe and underground. And uh, she knows what to do. She, uh, whenever there is a siren, she does this independently from me. She doesn't wait for me. She mm-hmm. knows where to go. She also knows what to do uh, when we are, uh, are at home. And mm-hmm. she knows what to do when, when she's at her grandparents. Oh, uh, so we keep her in, those, in these locations. But once there was a siren when I was driving, and she got really scared because mm-hmm. she was uh, nowhere near the shelter she knows of. Mm-hmm. And she was like crying, Mom, we're going to get killed by a missile. I was telling her, Honey, if there is a siren, we've got at least 10 to 15 minutes to get to a safer place. And the city is not that big. The traffic's not that huge. So we're able to drive in 10 minutes time to more or less close location uh, that we know. And, and then she, okay, 10 minutes, that's a lot. And uh, uh, she, she calmed down. But yeah, she understands, uh, you know, what's, What really makes me sad is that she does understand what a siren means. And the siren means there is a threat of of the air attack. And Mm -hmm. this is really sad. And this is something I haven't explained to her. That's something that she hears from adults and fellow children. Yeah, I mean, even in, um, I mean, we're, we're not even exposed to anything at all but the kids you know they hear watch if they if cnn's on or something's on Mm -hmm. they start to even you know their imaginations they start to think of things right i've had my son even ask me say would they come here you know so kids everywhere and i mean i just admire you so much for your strength and i know like in terms of having to have that strength and ability to to protect but also to show that must be incredible. I wish I was there to give you a hug because it's like, you know, like I, I, I see it every day and what you're doing. And, you know, I'd love to talk a little bit more about, you know, in the West, we want to do more, 
what is it that we, if we're sitting in Canada or, or US or wherever, what is it that we can do? Because I see, I'd love to hear more about what you're doing. Like you're, you're incredible in terms of the help that you're providing to um, your community, but also more importantly to the, the soldiers. And what is it that we can do from home to help you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so this, this whole volunteering activity came to us as a, uh, we are on the rear in, in the more or less safety and they are the front line. But we are all working towards the same cause, towards the same goal. And uh, so I started thinking uh, how to uh, support the people I personally know. Uh, my husband has been summoned. My cousin is in the army. A very, very close friend of mine is currently on the front line. So I started thinking how I could support uh, them. And then it turned that, like turned into lots of connections. And I'm supporting some people that I even don't know. Uh, so the, the first, and what's, what's the most important for any Ukrainian is the... Uh, spreading the awareness so it's it's not like you should buy something or donate money it's like raising the awareness among in in within your country that ukraine is a sovereign country but it is a peaceful country we have never even historically attacked anyone as an independent country we only participated in the war as a part of the soviet union so Basically, uh, we have never had any plans to see someone lands. Nobody even would think about that. We're the country of farmers. Uh, IT industry is growing in the country. We are the country, we, we produce metal. And, you know, we're kind of uh, the country that... Uh, is independent and we're working and we are hardworking people basically. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have we, we have got our own internal issues, but who, who doesn't? Which, right? which country doesn't? <laughs> yes, yes, uh, that's true. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, when, when the war started, it was the morning of the 21st of February. We, I remember this because I woke up it wasn't even a 7 a.m. in the morning. And it was like, it was a message that you shouldn't bring your kids to school. And it was like, why? Mm. Uh, and uh, the answer was, I was reading the message because the war has started and they were bombing all of the cities in Ukraine. And I was like, really? So I was, I spent like two hours reading the news in the morning. Like I couldn't believe it. Like they were bombing Kiev, that's capital of Ukraine, and nobody would ever expected this. Mm-hmm. So my first thing was to to move my teammates to safety because they were from different regions, and I understood that, that I'm at the best, and uh, that's that will continue being a more or less safe regions because we are from from uh, Russian border and also from uh, Belarus, a couple of hundred kilometers from Belarus. Mm-hmm. So uh, I relocated all of the people and I was like there in, in the safety. And, and at the end of the day, I was so shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved to the to our cottage house outside the city because we didn't know if they would continue bombing the city. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, and um, my husband uh, gave me a call and he, please stay at the first floor, not the second floor. And I just made this picture of Emilia and myself for him that we are on the first floor. Uh, we're getting uh, to bed. Uh, well, she's getting to bed because we were all stressed adults and we didn't have enough sleep in the first couple of days. I posted it on Twitter. And after that, when people started uh, commenting and retweeting it, I suddenly realized yeah, that that's, that's the war that's, that's, that's happening, you know? And, and people, people know that all over the world. And uh, when it uh, came pers- became personal, when close people started being summoned to the army, uh, I realized that I have to help somehow. Uh, and it all started with a simple post on Facebook, like I'm looking for knee pads and for like emergency emergency tourniquets uh, for for uh, my family members. And all of a sudden, I found out that I have got so many connections that would like to help. I used to uh, teach quality assurance in the evening school uh, in. Lots of my connections up from there. Mm-hmm. And one person lives in the United States and she offered her help. And this is how it all started. They, uh, they organized the first delivery. Uh, it was really fast. So they understood that there were the logistics issues solved because it's, it's really far from yes. And if you use the official delivery companies, it's, it might take weeks mm-hmm. uh, to deliver goods. So I figured out uh, the logistics, and then, then I started receiving messages uh, from people. Uh, we would like to donate, I don't know, a couple of bucks to to your cause and things like that. So this is how I figured out the donation campaigns through Buy Me a Coffee and PayPal. Mm-hmm. So so far, I have spent around sixty five hundred dollars for for the supplies, and uh, lots and lots of people donated themselves like drones tactical medicine or equipment for soldiers just because mm-hmm. they wanted to contribute to our victory basically mm-hmm. and now it's all the logistics i have figured out the logistics from the u.s then i figured figured out the logistics from germany i got to know many many people I, uh, I'm fund- fundraising on Twitter using uh, these two methods. There are lots of bigger organizations that I know of that are doing fundraising as well. They're buying uh, really expensive equipment like UAVs. Those are advanced drones, would say. Mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, they are buying expensive uh, things like um, bulletproof vests, uh, things like that. And yeah, and I used Twitter to basically tell tell our story. And mm-hmm. when you read the news, it's uh, it's not personal. But then you, when I'm trying to post uh, some of the stories of the people I meet or I read about on the internet, for instance, uh, after those grave events in the Kiev region, there were a lot of people who actually survived and they told their stories. We will hear, hear a lot of stories from Mariupol when, once it's free. Yeah. 
And I'm trying to tell these stories. Uh, I'm trying to tell about my daily life. Like I have to carry this bag, for instance, all the time. It has got some cash and documents and I cannot even sleep without it because all of a sudden you might need to mm -hmm. leave your home and perhaps for good. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to tell uh, what I feel uh, when the city is under attack, for instance, it was like uh, it was on Monday that we were attacked and was sitting in my apartment. It was ducking my handle, even though I, I know I'm in the mm -hmm. apartment. Yeah. But there was a missile directly under my building because I could hear it quite loud. And uh, because it's really hard to imagine what an ordinary person is going, is going through, right? So big, right? And so like that's even when you posted, um, I felt a connection or, or really people can put them their, themselves in the other person's shoes when you think about, you know, when you were trying to find balloons for your um, mm -hmm. and make your birthday right. normal, right? For, for your little girl. Right. And it's like, yeah, like this is everyday life of has been completely switched up. And you've got that you know, so many different emotions based on the situation. And so I think I, I agree with you that more and more people need to not just, you know, um, because it's on the news all the time, we never want to get to a point where this is normal, normalized, right? Or, oh, there's just right. this war going on. But no, this is like, that. you know, you're a free country. Right. This, this can't yeah. happen. Uh, thing is, that's uh people who actually suffer from 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 the war is is like uh any other people in the world we, we we're living similar lives we've got families kids we go to work we go to school to, they go to school we go to grocery stores we go on vacation we do all of these things like most of the families in the world most of the people in the world and now all of a sudden it all changed and I cannot buy bananas for a couple of days and I cannot buy coffee that I usually drink for in the morning, right? And I'm, I'm telling this because it's all new to myself as well, but also because when you, uh, for instance, drink your morning coffee and you run out of coffee now that you will drop by a grocery store and buy it, and I cannot suddenly, yeah, because because of the war, because the, the war ha is happening in my country, right in the middle of the Europe, mm -hmm. and uh, there, there was the story of uh, this woman from Bucha, the Kiev region. She survived. The city was occupied for over a, a month. She didn't have any food, basically, uh, with her, and of course she couldn't buy anything. Mm -hmm. And she survived because she brought some food for the stray dogs she was carrying uh, about in that region. And uh, she had this uh, package with meat and she uh, made some soup out, out of that meat for one month. And wow. the water that she used, there was no water, there was no tap water. The water that she used was from the river nearby her house. And this is how she survived. And only 70 kilometers from, from where she was, when the city was deoccupied, she went to Kiev, back to Kiev. And 70 kilometers from that, she goes to the grocery store. And all of a sudden, she sees that the, 
they sell cheese. It's like, it, she couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like one month she ate soup only 70 kilometers from a grocery store that sells cheese. And, and then this is their reality. Mm-hmm. And a relative of my, mine, she escaped Kharkiv and she now lives with our family. Mm-hmm. She came over with one backpack. She didn't have shoes. She didn't have coats, nothing like that. Of course, we supported her and we bought everything for her. We gave her our own clothes, for instance. Not a problem, but this is what's what's really happening right now. So people are uh, left with only one backpack Mm. and and that's it. No, and with no possibility to go home. Yeah, you know what, I, I had to go go away for one night and um and I was packing my bag and my one my I thought I'm gonna pack light and then I started thinking oh my god what would it be like what would I bring if and this is the reality for so many that you're leaving your entire home your entire your personal belongings of like your the pictures of your grandparents and things like that what do you bring and you know, and I think there's so many more stories to be told too of those that have had to leave uh, Ukraine. And what is their reality now that they've basically lost everything? And there's okay. and they have kids and their their husbands are in Ukraine and like that. There's there's so much and it's it's. Do you sometimes find yourself thinking sometimes like why 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 would this happen? We were asking uh, our whys for a while, and mm-hmm. then uh, we understood there is no reason, yeah. no no reason that we would accept as a rational one, right? No so we were asking why they were talking about Ukrainians as brothers and sisters. Now all of a the sudden they hate us mm-hmm. and, and they attack us. Uh, just because of the fact that we wanted to join the European Union and NATO to protect ourselves. Of course, we wanted a protection because the war started back in 2014 and we, didn't, we don't have any weapons to protect ourselves. That's a natural desire of a person to, to start protecting whenever you're attacked, you are being attacked, right? So, yeah, so it's, it's a really hard uh, question to be answered why why this is happening but uh philosophically speaking uh we have to accept the reality and act accordingly mm-hmm. that's uh um, that's a and philosophy from from greece uh, because we cannot change anything and we shouldn't be changing any trying to change anything that we cannot control right now so uh what i'm personally controlling is is the supply chain to 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 the front line right this is the way how i can support them and make them a bit safer mm-hmm. right a bit warmer probably um, less hungry etc mm-hmm. etc et so that they keep fighting that's what's under my control i cannot control the enemy and what they are doing right yeah. actually like to ask your listeners uh anyone who listens to this try to imagine right now 
that you have to pack all of your life in a single small bag. What what would you pack there? And and that's it. You and thousands of people, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people experience this right now in the middle of the Europe. Wow. And, you know, I, I hope that anybody listening uh, follows you and, you know, you're, you're doing an incredible job um, showing the real life experience as well as uh, showing all of the different items that, and that really, you know, even some of the items that um, people are helping you to, to raise and uh, to, to purchase is telling in itself and, and deeply sad, you know, when, when you're talking about, you know, needing the, a certain uh, powdered product for um, helping, to, you know, bleed stop. Yeah. Bleed, yeah. Bleed stop. And like, mm-hmm. so, you know, so we recognize the importance of understanding history and knowing what's going on in the world. You know, what would you say to a teenager that is, seeing this unfold what would your advice be to them from other countries what's more important what's most important they should learn to understand what evil is i would say that is really important to understand that uh, hatred would never build this world right so the world is the world is only able to move forward if we all live in peace and jointly build this world right if we fight each other uh we're pushing ourselves back and when they grow up they will find themselves in the political turmoil with, with lots of decisions to be made uh who's gonna lead them etc they should always think of leaders that will push this world towards technological progress to the uh, overall evolution rather than you know uh, showing their weapons off right and whoever does that do not support these people uh and learn to protect yourself and protect your views. And it is really important to, you know, respect yourself and respect the others and uh, respect uh, their personal borders, mm-hmm. be it a country or be it a single person, right? Yeah. So because these teenagers are going to grow up and those are the people who are going to lead this word forward, right? They, they're going to push the word forward. And we don't really want this happen. We know historically that war brings only the ruin. The Second World War was awful. Unfortunately, we haven't learned a lot from that uh, period of time. And therefore, history repeats itself. So it's really important to understand that mistakes that we make as a humanity and move forward uh, learning from from those mistakes, right? But do you also say, and I know uh, this is something that say, I've been thinking a lot about also is the, um, you know, perhaps we've taken freedom uh, for granted. 
Right, yeah, uh, I would agree with that. Uh, but it's really important to protect your own freedom because it's really it's really important to understand first what freedom is. Because in my opinion, is uh, because some of some of the people do not understand what freedom is, and they it's easy to follow somebody somebody's orders because you don't know how you don't have to make decisions, right? And making decisions is hard. But only making decisions is is, is what gives you freedom. It's really uh, important to understand that freedom is not free. Uh, that's that's very important point. I want to thank you so much. And, um, you know, I'm going to put uh, where people can follow you. I hope everybody follows you. I think it's important that, you know, we're living history right now and we need to, we stand for the same values and we need to, when, when somebody's, you know, put in this type of situation, we need to also find the courage to support you as much as we can. And I, I certainly am going to do everything I can. And I hope everybody else also um, helps you. And I hope that I'm looking forward to the day where I'm going to come visit you in Ukraine. Yeah, you will. Uh, yeah, by the way, as a postscript, and there was a person asking uh, me in the Twitter, I've got tickets to Kiev. Uh, they were postponed to 2023. Do you think I would be able to visit Kiev in 2023? And I honestly uh, tell him certainly, yeah, because people are going back to Kiev, diplomats, embassies. So we are hoping that this situation will end soon, at least to the extent possible, and we will rebuild. Thank you, Jennifer. And yeah, thank you for your time. You know, uh, when I'm telling the stories, I keep receiving messages uh, oh, I've got a, a daughter and she is the same age as yours. And I cannot imagine that she is sleeping and there, is a, there are missiles uh, flying over the apartment we are living in. So it's, it's really, uh, when, when you compare yourself to ordinary people uh, like myself or anybody else, the stories I'm telling and you start understanding that, yeah, you could probably uh, find yourself, imagine yourself in the same situation. I honestly wish nobody would find themselves in this, in this situation. Yeah, yeah. We all are undergoing a very different uh, range of emotions. And also you, even though you're living in a peaceful country and you're living your own lives and because of your support, you also undergoing those emotions, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Because you, you feel for us. Yeah, and, and we really appreciate the support the, the world is giving us these days. It means a lot to us because I keep receiving messages from all over the world, be it States, Brazil, France, Germany, et cetera, et cetera. And it means tons for us because we, are, we know that we are not alone. And whenever the war ends and, Ukraine, and a Ukrainian comes to France, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, we will no longer be associated with the Soviet Union, but rather those people who were able to stand against uh, a huge enemy. Mm -hmm. I feel ashamed that I cannot uh, say this to uh, all of my Twitter followers, uh, but I really, I, I read all of the commands, uh, all of the messages. The problem is that I cannot reply to all of them, but 
uh, sometimes during uh, the first two weeks, I was like sitting and reading those comments and was even crying because I, I really felt uh, people are truly supporting us. It's not like saying, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, so it's happening somewhere else and things like that that truly feel for us and, and that's massive. Thanks for listening to the Women Leadership Nation's Breaking Barriers podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Latticer Jennifer and visit us on our website at www.womenleadershipnation.com. Together, we can keep breaking barriers.